0: So, you've decided that you are going to run a short, compact campaign. How do you plan for it? How much do you need to plan for it? What goes into it? What doesn't go into it? These are the lessons that I have learned from running three-day campaigns. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of How to Be a Great GM. My name is Guy, as always, and, well, I'm still recovering from my accident. In case you didn't hear, I had a... Accident broke some ribs and things. So, if I'm a little bit breathy or if I seem a little bit, um, I don't know, confused or more confused than normal, you know why. All right, so a few things. One, we've got a new editor who has joined the team and has been putting together the shows for the past couple weeks. Hopefully, you've seen a difference in how the shows are presented, and hopefully, you like that. If you do, comment down below. Have you noticed a difference? Do you care? Does it make a difference? We'd love to hear from you. We can only improve with your input. Okay, so we're talking about running a short campaign. Now, what is a short campaign? Well, how long is a piece of string? It's a good question. And you might want to run short campaigns if you are cycling through DMs or perhaps if you're like me and you like... Well, we've got so many different systems to play, there's so many different settings that we want to play in, we want to try all of these different things, we want to go to all of these different places. I don't want to get bogged down in running the same campaign that's going to take years to play through, or even mega months to play through. I want something that's self-contained. How do I know about the timing? How do I know how to control that? Well, that's what we're looking at today. Right, straight into it. There are three categories that I like to break things down into when I look at the lessons that I have learned on running short campaigns. They are time, narrative space, and creative pressure. Time, narrative space, and creative pressure. What are those three things? How do they relate to running a short campaign? Here we go. Okay, so time obviously is the most important thing in this equation. How much time are you going to spend running the campaign? Well, more importantly, how much time of your gameplay is going to get sucked up in stuff? So in other words, rather than going, alright, well I'm only going to have 15 encounters in total throughout the entire campaign, it's sometimes useful to step back and go, well actually, how much time am I working with? So the very first Step is to identify how much time your game sessions are going to run for. Now I remember back in the day I'd run game sessions for 6, 8, 12, sometimes even longer number of hours per session. Those don't exist anymore. They usually run for three hours nowadays. Three hours is a good amount of time to spend role-playing, especially if everyone has commitments and things. But primarily, I would say most sessions are somewhere between three and six hours, depending. So with that in mind, you need to then step back and say, well, a short campaign would probably comprise somewhere in the region of, let's say, six to eight to ten of those types of sessions. And why that number? Where does that random number come from? Well, it's not a random number. Generally speaking, when you are looking at running a short campaign, you're going to want to use the five-step method. And the five-step method is very, very simple. Introduction to problem, journey to problem, discover that the problem is not the problem, journey to the next problem, discover that that is the real problem, and solve it. It's a very simple five-step method to create a bare-bones outline. Now, with that, you go, okay, well, that's five sessions. Could be. Or it could be 10 sessions if you're spending two sessions per section, which is probably more likely. But this is where it becomes very important. If you haven't played with the group before, your first session is going to be very indicative of the speed for the rest of your sessions. So that means we can't anticipate, before we've started playing with a new group anyway, exactly how many sessions we're going to be running for. It could be five, it could be ten, heaven forbid, it could be longer if your party take their time. Now, here's some interesting things that I've discovered in my own role-playing style, and I would say I'm not that different from anybody else. So these are some of the statistics that I have gathered over many years of role-playing. The number of players... Times two minutes each is how long a round will take to play out. So whatever role-playing system you're using, this usually holds. Now that might seem like a really long time. Two minutes is an incredibly long time for someone to sit there going, well, maybe I do this. And I've even done videos on the five-second rule to try and help motivate and speed people along. There are just some people who don't do that. There are other groups who might do that very, very quickly, and then suddenly they get to a point where they're like, oh, um, and then they break into a discussion. If you are a DM who does not allow for discussions to happen during a combat situation, you're like, well, you can shout these things at each other, but that's gonna take some of your time, or it's gonna take an action, or it's gonna do whatever your system might do. Generally speaking, I allocate two minutes per player per round. So five players, 10 minutes. I know it sounds like a lot, Most rounds, it probably won't be 10 minutes. It'll cycle through, and it'll be one minute, one minute, one minute, one minute, one minute. But occasionally, it'll be three minutes or four minutes, and occasionally, it'll slow down. Now, this also, by the way, translates quite handily, not just in combat, but in social encounters as well. So you go, okay, for every NPC, I should allocate two minutes per player character. At least two minutes per player character five characters, It means 10 minutes per NPC. Now you go, but the blacksmith is not going to take 10 minutes to talk through stuff. No, this is entirely true. But if they are talking to one NPC, they're probably going to talk to other NPCs. And suddenly 10 minutes is taken up very, very quickly. This, by the way, is casual stuff. Now, in a more serious combat, a life or death kind of combat, a big set piece, where it's not just something that's happened, it's not an incident that's just occurred, it is your... Oh well, this is the henchman of the villain, and so this is it. That I usually allocate an entire hour for. I'll say, okay, well, this combat's gonna take an hour. Now, again, depending on what system you're playing, there might be an adjustment based on higher level. Usually higher level means more power or more abilities or more things that players can look through in a given round. And so then again things will slow down. So it's one combat an hour. I don't try and cram in more than that because that's just insane. Furthermore, I don't try and cram in combats. If a combat happens, it happens because the player characters have got to a situation where violence is the only outcome. Something else that I find a really useful metric when we're talking about time is aside from allocating time for the players to make decisions and things, it is also about the number of maps that you might need. Now, if you do use maps, A general rule of thumb is it's a map per hour and no more. You can have more maps if you really want to but it means that you're either using maps poorly and you're throwing down map after map after map that your players are basically running through or As I would advocate, you put down a map which keeps them engaged for at least an hour or more. This could be because the corridors are interesting to explore, it could be the architecture that's interesting. It could also just be that it's a grand hall that the king is standing in, and you put some NPCs around that the players are going to engage with. Either way, that map, if you're doing more than one an hour, you're overreaching. So if you have a planning opportunity and you know that your session is coming up, you might go, actually, this is gonna be a big combat in this location. And then there's gonna be some NPC stuff happening in this location. For my next session, I don't have to prep any maps. I just need to use this one map. Doesn't that take a lot of pressure off of you? that's quite useful, I find anyway. Number two is a narrative space. Narrative space. So what is the narrative space? What is narrative space? What does this mean? The narrative space is the space in which you are working as the director of this entire production. Now, I use that word with caution. You are not prescribing the outcomes. You are not determining the outcomes. You are not Trying to control what the player characters are doing. You are not controlling the story. You are controlling events that occur. Remember, you are triggering these events. The event happens, and what happens as a result of that is up to the PCs and the NPC's interactions, not up to you. So distancing yourself from that, you can go, okay, well, I have my narrative structure, the five-step narrative structure. Each of those steps is a mini five-step adventure as well so the introduction to the story where the players have to travel into a bog because someone has asked them to go and fetch something from the bog that's one step on the five-step chain within that though there's the getting to the bog. The finding of the NPC who knows how to lead them deeper into the bog where they won't fall into the quicksand. Or perhaps it's the encounter with the lizard folk who live in the bog who don't want the PCs to defile their sacred hunting ground. Whatever it might be, there are some steps that you are possibly going to be including in that journey that they are taking. Each of those steps on average, is gonna take two to three hours. So if you are gonna have an encounter with the lizard folk, you can bet that that's gonna take about an hour. And if those lizard folk are gonna get them to do something, go and find the sacred flower of our tribe to indicate that the swamp accepts you, that is at least another two hours that you can cobble on quite easily because you know it's gonna be a combat and there's gonna be a social or a puzzle or some kind of skill challenge thing, which is going to suck up your time. So our narrative space looks at these things and says, okay, well, in a two to three hour block, we can have one of these steps progress if we're lucky and we can nuance it. But that also means we need to restrict ourselves. We need to contain ourselves, right? So our next point is the fact that you either need to focus on a player-based campaign or on A narrative campaign on an epic campaign where the player characters are trying to prevent overcome destroy defeat uh, somehow thwart a big evil so it's either that or it's following the player characters on their journeys that they are trying to discover for themselves using their backstories to create the narrative and to drive and you're following where they're going right you can't really do both Because, if you look at it, each of the players' backgrounds, each of the players' personal journeys, doesn't that look like five steps if you've got five players, or six steps if you've got six players? Remember, we only have five steps to play around with, so if you've got six players, you've got six steps it's as simple as that. Whereas with your epic journey you've got a five-step method you're going to use the five-step method. Put the two together and suddenly you need to have as many player steps and your standard five steps. Do you see again you can't cram too much in. A lot of people make this mistake. Oh I'm running a game of uh, Cthulhu or Vampire or Who knows what? I need to prep and plan so much stuff. No, you don't. Sit back, look at what you are doing. Look at your narrative space and you'll realize, oh, I need to plan one map and a social encounter and maybe a puzzle and then maybe a combat and that's going to take up most of my role playing time. Finally, when we look at narrative structure, the other thing that you have to bear in mind is that you are not building up a nemesis. You are not building up this giant evil who is going to have nuances and great amounts of detail going into them. You are creating villains one step down from the nemesis the villain is going to have i am bad i am evil i am misguided i am you're going to give them one component they are off to power or money or love or trust or respect give them one thing just give them enough to make them motivate what they're doing to help you to understand what they are going to be doing in response to what the pcs are doing and that's it then they'll have henchmen that the PCs are going to encounter throughout the short campaign. If you go with the nemesis, and the nemesis has to have a villain, and the villain has to have henchmen, the more steps you put in between the player characters and the big bad, if you're going with an epic campaign, the more steps you have to add in to your campaign. And so suddenly, instead of having a short campaign, you end up with this year-long campaign as the players are trying to fight their way through all of these different levels of bosses, ...to get to the Big Bang. So simplify it, simplify it. Do not be afraid that your game is going to be boring or simple... ...as a result of having a simple narrative. As a matter of fact, on a short-term campaign... ...where you are containing it to within a couple of sessions... It will be more fulfilling if the players come out at the end having defeated the very clear objective or having achieved their own individual objectives that they created. They will feel much more satisfied than if they come out of a... It's only going to be five sessions, folks. If they come out at the end of the year going, well, we sort of defeated most of the things, but there's so many loose ends. We don't really... We need more time. You don't want that small and contained and focused. That's the benefit, that's the beauty of looking at your narrative space. Finally, number three, creative pressure. Now, creative pressure refers primarily to you. You are running a short campaign. You are running a small space environment. That doesn't mean that you have to think small. That doesn't mean that it is all set in a single castle. It could be, but what you need to do in order to make that small campaign feel like it's a grand cinematic experience, you've got to draw inspiration from feature films. Look at films like Star Wars or The Lord of the Rings or uh, the Marvel movies, right? Each film is self-contained to two to three hours these days, but is packed Full of different spaces. We don't spend a lot of time in the same space throughout the film. We're bouncing around, we're going all over the place. So that's the creative pressure that I'm talking about. To make your game feel as if it was an epic adventure, you need to make sure that each of the locations, each of the maps, each of the areas that the players are going to has a very distinct and unique feel to the previous locations that they came from. So even if they are simply, you are running a campaign where they crash in a jungle and they have to get out of the jungle, that's the entire premise of the campaign, it's only meant to be five or six sessions long, right? The jungle itself, you can't just give them, here's a jungle map, here's another jungle map, here's another jungle map. That would be incredibly, incredibly dull. That would not help your case in running a great game. What you need to do is say, well, here's a piece of jungle. This sets up the jungle, right? Using the five-step method. Okay, now we're going to the next location. It's not jungle. It's not dense foliage with predators hiding behind all the leaves. Now we're going to a river which you have to cross or a chasm which you have to cross. And at the bottom of the chasm, there are cannibals living down there or giant insects Doesn't matter. Then the next one is not more jungle. It's what happens when the jungle isn't here suddenly. It's all been burnt down. Or there's just this wide open glade filled with grass that just happens to be chest height. What's hiding in the grass? And the next one is that there's a swamp within the jungle. And there are bits of jungle around the edges, but the swamp is now the component. Do you see what I mean? You need to make sure that each time the players are engaging with your space it's different even if it's in the same space even if it's in the same location you can have lots of different little maps within that location of course if you have it that the players start on one planet they fly into space they have a space battle uh in a nebula then they fly onto a moon and then they're in a space station Then they're on a direct ship Do you see how it just makes it much more interesting? And it also helps you, too, in terms of your creativity. Because now when you're going, well, the guys are in a mine. They're in a dungeon. We're doing a traditional dungeon crawl. If it's dungeon after dungeon after dungeon, it's going to get boring. Mix it up and you will be amazed at how at the end of it, your players sit back and go, oh, that was a roller coaster ride. Absolutely mind-blowing, amazing, wonderful. Can't wait to do it again. You'll be amazed. You'll be absolutely amazed. Another thing with creative pressure Use the four adventure types. Thwarting, delivering, collecting, and discovering. Use those. They are there for a reason. Those four almost solve a five-step method, don't they? They comply with the five steps, and then you just need one more, which could be a repeat of thwarting, or delivering, or discovering, or collecting, or whatever it might be. Those five things are going to help take pressure off of you. If you go, well, last week we were in the jungle, we did the jungle thing, and that was thwarting. There was a trial of pygmy hunters who had taken offense at one of the player characters actions and was hunting them once we defeated the tribal leader they calmed down everything is fine so the next one the river it has to either be collecting delivering or discovering okay cool let's make it a collecting they need to collect wood to make a raft to cross the river okay great so now they're going to go and start looking for wood and exploring the trees and you get the idea right So make use of your four adventure types. The other sub four you can use as well if you like, but usually those are pretty much campaigns in their own right. All right, so that is that. Then finally, try to mix it up in terms of not only are you doing your four adventures, but if one adventure is combat heavy, so there's a couple of combats in there, maybe you've got two or maybe you've got three combats in there, the next one should have less Combat. It should be more problem solving, personal interaction solving, riddles, uh, skill challenges or checks or whatever your system uses. And then the next one can be back to being combat or it can be a mixture and then the next one can be combat make sure to try and keep that balance. And also, if you know you're getting towards the climax, if the PCs are going to face off against the big bad, you don't want to have an episode, or an episode, you don't want to have an adventure, which is combat, and you know the next adventure is with the big, big villain, and that's going to be another combat, you don't want that. So, if you can see you're heading into the session, and you know that they're probably going to finish next one, make the one before talkie talky investigation, Maybe a little bit of combat, a little bit of uh, foreshadowing of what's to come, but try and keep that balance. That's it. There's lots of components to running a short campaign. These are the lessons that I've learned. These are what I apply to games that I run, such as games like D&D in a Castle, our convention games. It keeps people excited. It keeps them engaged. And most important of all, it helps me when it comes to planning my adventures Because it's fairly simple. I'm just filling in the blanks and I don't fill in all the blanks. I don't need to. My players are going to be filling in the blanks. I just need to figure out how to fit what the players are saying into the broader narrative structure that I am using as my guide, not as my rule. And bingo. You get amazing adventures. Huge thank you to you for watching all the way through to the end. Massive, massive thank you to our patrons who continue to get those NPC cards at the end of every month. If you haven't become a patron and if you do have some disposable income, remember, financial security first before gaming. Then head on over to our patreon.com forward slash greatgamemaster and you can sign up for those amazing rewards as well. Until next time, I wish you and yours the happiest of gaming.